Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. Welcome to the Atheist Experience. I am your host, Russell Glasser, and with me today is Jen Peoples. How are you doing? Good. How are you this week? Not too bad. Okay. Uh, today is Sunday, November 6, 2016, uh, two days before Election Day here in the United States. We're live calling the internet-based Atheist TV show, broadcasting from Austin, Texas, dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. You can catch us live every Sunday on YouTube or Ustream.tv. The official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist-experience.com. You can provide feedback by commenting on the official show blog at freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP. Email us at tv at atheist-community.org. Or you can join the Atheist Experience official discussion group on Facebook. If you enjoyed this show, please check out our related podcast, The Nonprofits, currently airing on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. Normally, uh, this week, uh, this past Wednesday, both Jeff and I had last-minute conflicts. Well, Jeff was well-announced, uh, but there were too many people who weren't ready to do the show, so sorry we passed. But we've had a pretty good track record this year. We're going to be coming back at you Wednesday after next, so uh, don't tune out. <laughs> As always, the cast and crew of The Atheist Experience will be going to dinner right after the show uh, at Star of India, 2900 West Anderson Lane. We'll arrive around 6.15 p.m. or so. Uh, now, being a nonprofit, as I've said for the last two episodes, the uh, Atheist Community of Austin does not engage in any electioneering activities or endorse any candidate, but... Uh, if you happen to be in Austin and uh, you would like some friends to hang out with on election night, I'm going to blog about this because we've just decided, basically, uh, we're going to open up the Atheist Community of Austin building for a viewing party on Tuesday night starting at 6 p.m. Uh, that's at 1507 West Koenig Lane, where you would also be coming to watch the show. 
So uh, I would say bring your own food and bring your own bottle. Uh, bring a lot of bottles if you think you'll need it. Uh, so uh, hope you'll come join us. We got a lot of big TVs and stuff in here, so it seems like a good place, as good a place as any to come. Well, sounds like fun. I'd like to be able to come up, but I probably won't be able to. Oh, well, some of us have have busy lives. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good that you brought up the election because um, I've been hearing from lots of people on both sides of the aisle that the... Um, that there's a risk of the election being either rigged or hacked or something. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of um, interesting because the people telling me this can't articulate any method by which the election could be rigged or hacked. But they're absolutely certain that this could happen and we need to be on the lookout for this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't know what to be on the lookout for <clears throat> because they can't tell me how that how this would happen. But I wanted to uh, kind of put this out there for everybody. Relax. Your democracy <laughs> is not being hacked. This is not an episode of Mr. Robot. You know, we're fine. Our elections occur in public places with lots of observers from all political parties. Um, you can have members of the press standing there doing exit polling. Um, in fact, uh, pollsters do exit polling. That's how come you can get the results so fast, even after, you know, minutes after the polls close, in some cases they can call an election uh, for one candidate or another. Um, so it, it's not like these things happen behind closed doors and nobody knows. Um, it, it's just really hard to to tamper with the results of an election yeah, in this what, country. Yeah, one thing about the U.S. election system is that uh, it is massively distributed because every state right. and every county are responsible for counting their own votes. So while uh, it is actually hypothetically possible for some group to try to influence the election on a small scale. So you could have somebody like, you know, conveniently losing some ballots or something like that. And that is absolutely a problem. But uh, it would be very complicated to have some kind of mass coordinated conspiracy with all these officials who are elected by so many different people around the country. Yeah. And in fact, when... When situations have occurred where, for example, um, you know, small county level elections have have been disrupted by some means, um, it's been fairly low tech stuff that that, you know, people have used, you know, ballot box stuffing is an example, or as Russell mentioned, losing, you know, a bunch of ballots or something. Uh, Those are fairly low tech. And actually, they're pretty easy to detect when this happens. Mm -hmm. Um, People actually get caught trying to do this stuff. You know, the biggest way that you can um, influence an election in this country is something that happens all the time. It's called gerrymandering where you cut the districts up in a way that favors, you know, one political group or another. Um, and that, that happens a lot, and it typically disenfranchises minority voters. So that is absolutely something that goes on. We're aware of that. Um, I recently saw something uh, where someone was talking about there's actually a computer algorithm that will um, set the districts up, that it's basically um, agnostic when it comes to political parties. So the computer algorithm doesn't care what political party. It basically cuts 
districts up based on population. Yeah. Um, and and so that would be the fairest way to decide, you know, what the districts should look like. Um, but, you know, each state governs how it, it sets its districts. So. Right. And this matters to us in Austin, by the way, because, yeah. for example, uh, here in Austin, uh, the, the voting results didn't go, <laughs> weren't going a, uh, in a way that's favorable to a particular party. So they redrew the district so that what mm-hmm. Austin looks like now is that it's divided up into four pieces and right. each piece is sort of smushed with something that's like a hundred miles away. So right. that the north part of Austin is actually part of, uh, it, it, does it go all the way to Dallas? I'm not sure. I don't know, but yeah, the, the but, districts but are very like weird. That. But yeah, and you've got pieces of, you know, on the southern side, you've got pieces that go all the way almost to San Antonio right. um, through some strange, uh, I mean, it makes no sense, you know, yeah. unless you're trying to, to um, create safe districts, and that's basically what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we could fix this with a little bit of technology that would basically um, eliminate human bias uh, right. when drawing districts. But that requires um, you know, each state to be on board with that since the states control how the districts are drawn. Mm-hmm. And um, you, know, as, uh, you know, as a data type guy, I, I think I've hit on this point a few times in the last couple of weeks at least, but uh, there are two types of errors that people are concerned about when running scientific tests on something, and that is like false positives and false negatives, which are called type 1 and type 2 errors. Uh, and a lot of the people who focus on the danger of uh, elections being rigged are worried about a false positive, where somebody gets to vote and they shouldn't have because they are assuming the name of a dead guy, which... According to uh, any type of investigation that's been done uh, into this, either pretty much doesn't happen or happens like at a rate of much, much less than 1%. People are much less commonly talking about uh, false negatives where people are either intimidated into not voting or or actively prevented from voting uh, by people who are claiming that they're trying to commit some sort of fraud. Um, and dealing with having fair elections means balancing out the two concerns and and dealing with the extent of the problem and the uh, legitimacy uh, of the concerns and how big an impact it would have in one case or another. So you certainly can have a situation where a lot of states... Uh, set up laws to try to prevent people from voting who shouldn't and wind up making it impossible for lots of people to vote who should. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a huge problem, actually. And um, like you said, the the risk of someone voting who shouldn't vote is so low as to be an almost non-existent problem. So all of this voter ID stuff and you know, having having to provide all this documentation to cast a ballot that's basically there to solve a problem that essentially doesn't really exist. Um, I think I, I saw something recently where there have been something like 30 cases of that in an, about a billion votes cast. <laughs> right. So that's that's such an astronomically small Talking in number. the last several decades to it, aggregating every election. Right. Yeah. And, and so basically th- there's... It's not possible to influence the outcome of an election 
with something that happens that infrequently. Um, it is possible to influence the outcome of an election by preventing large groups of people from voting. Um, and we're talking minorities, students, um, the homeless, um, you know, poor people, elderly. Uh, there's all kinds of groups of people that, um, with these voting um, identification laws, tend to be systematically disenfranchised. That's a huge problem. Um, if there's a, a rigging or a hacking of the vote, that's how it's being done. Uh, that and gerrymandering. But uh, mm-hmm. those are you know, voter suppression and gerrymandering, that sort of thing. That's uh, well, We've known about that stuff for a long time. Um, and those are fairly low-tech things. Yeah. And our audience may well be asking, what does any of this have to do with atheism? And the answer is simply that we feel like it's important to generally promote skepticism and, uh, you know, numeracy, numerical literacy. So we like to point out common misconceptions, whether or not they are particularly focused on God. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, just the fact that it's remotely possible that someone could affect the outcome of an election and even that someone wants to, um, it doesn't mean they're, mean they're going to have uh, the means to do that or, or the opportunity to do that. Um, again, because Russell pointed out, our elections are massively distributed. So they would have to basically find um, a way to get into lots of different um, voting systems throughout the country to, to systematically influence the outcome of a presidential election. Right. So that's very, very difficult to do. Having said that, I'll just reiterate what I've said for the past couple of weeks, which is uh, our audience, I think, is smarter than the average voter. Uh, and so don't be... Uh, discouraged into thinking that your vote doesn't matter because it's going to be because di- it's going to be stolen. Uh, get out there and vote. Right. Not telling you who to vote for. Right. That's it. All right. Go, vote. Vote on Tuesday. Tuesday. This Tuesday. Two it, days from now. You cannot text your vote. Vote. <laughs> <laughs> vote and then, uh, if you're in Austin, come to 1507 West Canning Lane. And get together with a bunch of atheists, drink some stuff, and uh, and in, enjoy or don't enjoy the, yes. <laughs> the, the results yes. coming in, as is your want. Uh, Jasmine in Pennsylvania, how are you? Pretty good, you? I'm good. Not bad. Hi, Jen. Um, so um, I'm actually really excited. This is like my first time calling in. Um, I probably watched you guys for a couple years, and um, I know you guys were, like, really instrumental in me, like, kind of tra- transitioning from, like, agnostic to atheist. So I'm, like, I'm really excited to call. Oh, well, <laughs> nice to hear from you. We're excited you called. Hey. Um, so I'm calling because um, lately I've kind of had an issue uh, with, I'd say, um, my intermediate family just with um, – because – I've been, um, I've kind of accepted the fact that I was an atheist probably about a year and a half ago, but um, lately I've been kind of more um, open about it. Like I haven't tried to hide it from anyone, mm-hmm, okay. uh, which for a while I have. Um, and so I've kind of gotten into a few arguments with uh, mainly my mother mm. about, um, yeah, because she, well, it's really confusing because she doesn't believe in atheists because um, there's like this 
verse in the Bible, it's like every tongue shall confess or whatever, yeah. um, about like whenever we die and we see God and everything. She's like, well, there aren't no, there aren't any atheists, but she's also very adamant about converting me anyway. Okay. Um, and her logic behind this is that she wants me to be with her immediately instead of having to wait until like the rapture or anything. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, and so, um, there have been times where, um, like, I remember, I believe it was for, like, the Pulse shooting where um, on my Facebook page I was just really upset and kind of mad at a lot of Christians who were um, pretending to be upset, or even they might have been upset, but, you know, they're still subscribing to a religion that would um, kind of allow that to happen. And um, I think one of my family members was friends with me, and she called me about it saying, hey, if you want to keep that to yourself, that's fine, but then also, like, asked me to read Bible verses. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know. Like, I don't want to argue with her because she is my mother, and I love her very much, um, and I don't want to hurt her feelings. But at the same time, it is really frustrating um, where she'll kind of discount my experiences. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. So this is stuff you've posted on your own personal Facebook page? Yes. Okay. So um, I guess a couple things I'd remind people that what you post on your Facebook page is up to you and that you're not mm-hmm. obligated to adhere to their standards because I'm sure they're posting pro-Christian things on their pages and expecting mm-hmm. you to be okay with that. Yeah, um, uh, very often. So, you know, basically set some ground rules that what you post on your Facebook page is up to you um, mm-hmm. and the other thing is if, I mean, if you want to keep the peace in the family, um, you might want to set up a restricted list on your Facebook page so that they don't see certain posts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that there's a way to exclude people from seeing certain posts if you want to. Um, that's, yeah. that's if you choose to go down that path. If, if not, then you can agree to them, agree with them that you won't post anything challenging their religious beliefs on their Facebook pages, but you expect the same courtesy on your page that, you know, they're not welcome to, to basically try to force you to adhere to their rules. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, You're certainly not the first person I've ever talked to who had uh, these, these complicated situations where they're trying to argue with their, with, uh, your, their parents and arguing with your parents is a doubly complicated situation because while it feels like you're just dealing with the typical problems of arguing for atheism among people who you're in a society where 80 to 85 percent of people actively believe in God so you're the minority and you mm-hmm. have to make these these anti-social arguments in a way but also the problem i see most commonly with people who are getting in arguments with their parents is one of respecting boundaries where your parents being the ones who raised you feel entitled to basically tell you what to say and so this isn't just a situation of are my arguments better than theirs it's they're trying to exert some kind of power and authority over me that they used to have but they don't anymore so exactly. I think when it comes to family members like this, it's really important to clearly lay out what your boundaries are. And 
let your parents or whoever you might be arguing with know, hey, look, I have a close relationship with you, but I'm not comfortable with you posting on a particular topic on my wall. If it bothers you to see this stuff, then please don't follow me or resist the urge to comment on things when you see it. But if you don't mm-hmm. do that, then I'm going to have to unfriend or block you, and I don't want to have to do that. Which is a difficult yeah. thing to say to your parents. Um, well, it's not even just the Facebook pages. It's like um, like in person with my mom, mm-hmm. it can get very mm-hmm. difficult. Because um, I do yeah. a lot of volunteer work. Mm-hmm. And um, one morning I had to wake up really early, and I saw her early in the morning, and I you know, told her I was going to go volunteer. And she made this comment, um, just like, oh, I'm so proud of you, just like a little Christian warrior. I know you really are. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, That's and that, a, that, that really bothered me. Well, it, 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 yeah, it, and it should bother you. That's a very passive-aggressive kind of thing to say to someone. Yeah, I, I mean, they're not um, just, they're not just, your mom is not just disrespecting you by, having these conversations that you may not have asked for, but she's also belittling and dismissing your opinion by saying, right. there's no such, you know, I'm an atheist. Oh, there's no such thing as an atheist. Right. Like, yeah. that is not just disagreeing with you. That is basically calling you a liar about your own beliefs. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah. is... Which they've had a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, they have said that I'm just trying to be... Um, controversial or just oh uh, yes something yeah. along those lines and you're just rebelling <laughs> i right yeah 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 so i mean yep. you need to I let mean, your mom know free. i don't know <laughs> you just need to let your mom know it's not about you yeah. And yeah. My, if i'm rebelling it's not against you it's got nothing to do with you and uh if we can't have conversations where you are respectful and appropriate with me then the result is we're going to have less of a relationship than we already than we currently do exactly you know i had i had a lot of these kinds of conversations um with my parents for a while and Mm -hmm. at some point um and my father was very religious he's very active in church he was like a lay minister and and everything um and finally, he reached a point where he just didn't talk to me about it anymore. Um, and I think he came to the conclusion that he valued our relationship more than he valued, you know, promoting his religious beliefs to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've always respected that position because I felt exactly the same way. You know, I wasn't running around, you know, trying to deconvert him or anything. Um, and I expected, you know, the same level of respect from him. Um you know, I, I think uh, I had some other relatives who kind of crossed the line a few times. We had some very contentious discussions. And at some point they decided, you know what, we can keep having these discussions or we can, you know, kind of go to our separate corners and not talk about this subject. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if I go to a family gathering and they want to pray, I will sit quietly while they pray. I don't engage in it. I don't participate, but I'm not going to disrupt it. I'm not going to make a big show of, you know, getting up and walking out of the room because, you know, if they're going to close their eyes and pretend for a few seconds, oh, I, I don't care, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and they don't, they don't try to convert me anymore. 
So yeah. it, it may take a while, and you may get to the point where this happens with you and your parents. Um, and until then, you mm-hmm. may have to have some really uncomfortable conversations. But at some point, you know, you're not wrong if you set some boundaries for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I try to be very careful about being respectful. Like, I don't try to yeah. be conversant. I'm like, even though, yeah. I mean, there is they, a part of me that would prefer if they weren't, but it's not anything that I would put in front of our relationship. Like, I'm fine with what you believe. That's fine right. with me. I can respect yeah. that. But it's just when that isn't reciprocated, you know, that, that can get annoying. Yeah, <laughs> yep. and also do bear in mind, it sounds like they're totally not being respectful to you. So this is a very one-way thing. Yeah. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. It's fair to clearly state that you have the same expectation of them that they should reasonably have of you, which is to be respectful and appropriate and uh, have a conversation that you are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I would ask, like, how you guys would say it so that it's still respectful but um very direct and its purpose just like making sure like hey i know you care about me i know this is how you're showing that you care about me but you know well i wouldn't even phrase it that way because that passive aggressive stuff is not a demonstration of (laughs) of care and concern okay but Um, that is a very diplomatic way to put it so maybe it's okay to say that stuff even if you're being a little insincere about it or just you know hey this is obviously um something that we're we're not going to agree on and i don't want this to mm-hmm. come between us so why don't we not talk about this topic mm-hmm. you know, and just leave this one alone and, I mean, you know i won't i won't try to deconvert you if you don't try to convert me and you know that way we can preserve our relationship <clears throat> and emphasize that you do value the relationship with them yeah and if mm-hmm. you're going to try to make basically what let's be honest, our veiled threats that if you don't respect the way I want to be communicated with, then we're not going to talk anymore. You should think mm-hmm. first about whether you are prepared to back up those threats. Yeah. And you should be. And and bear in mind that if you break off communication with your parents for a while, that doesn't mean that the relationship is over forever. It just means you are going to have to resort to temporarily extreme measures until they start being more respectful toward you. Well, thank you, guys. You definitely make me feel a lot better about that. (laughs) Good. Uh, Good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Ron in Chicago. Hello, Ron. Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, before we start, um, I actually watched the feed in your discussion with Brett Keen the other night. And um, mm-hmm. could we make sure that while we're speaking that nobody overtalks each other? Because I noticed that while I was watching the feed from the Atheist Experience last week, mm-hmm. the audio seemed to be very, very low. So 
can we make sure that there's not going to be any over-talking, that we're just going to respect each other and wait till each other are finished talking? Well, I, I'm not aware of any technical problems right now. <laughs> we can try, although I, I have to say, like, we may need to cut in sometimes if there is a problem. And by the way, I'm here. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Brett Keane because we had a ton of technical problems with him uh, which turned out to trace back to the fact that he was trying to rebroadcast the show at the same time that we were talking. And I'm hearing mm -hmm. a very similar echo from yeah. you right now. Do you think well, you can I try to get... The... Yeah, I am streaming this through the live feed. Okay, that's, that's that, actually yeah. not okay. Yeah, it's not okay. The okay. reason it's not okay is because uh, the Atheist Experience is uh, copyrighted and we don't let people rebroadcast unless the clips are short and you don't monetize them. So okay, but, I'm going okay, to have to ask you to turn off right the stream now, so. or I'll hang up on you. Okay. Well, I'm not going to give you an excuse to get out of the call, so I'll end, I'll end this okay. right now. Good. But, okay, are you, are you right associated now. with Brett Keane? It's fine if you are. I'm still going to talk to you. I'm associated. Most of the big name atheists and most of the Christians, I need to know who I am. So, yes, I am associated. I don't know who you are. Who are you? Yeah, who are you? Well, that's fine that you don't know who I am, but I do have... We're still getting an echo, head. and you're being kind of a jerk. Uh, well, I just ended the live feed. Okay. And I do get anywhere between a thousand to forty thousand people who watch my videos, Don't so they're care. going to be able to see when I yeah. cut out the the live feed. Okay, I just ended it right now, so okay. there's no reason for you to hear that. Still okay. hearing the echo. Yeah. So, okay, so give me one second. I think this guy's bullshitting us. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're done with him. Uh, let's see. Stephen. In Canada? Hello. Hello. Okay, so um, this this is going to be interesting. I don't mm -hmm. have a question today. Um, I just wanted to have your opinion. Um, so I watch a lot of uh, debates on atheism and, you know, theists and uh, evolution and all that stuff. And it always comes back to religion and the Bible, and Jesus. <laughs> How about just, you know, believing that there's something out there, call it God if that's what you want, but leave religion out of it? Well, I mean, deism is a thing. Um, I just don't think there's any reason to believe in the deist God either. So are, are you a deist? That's a good question. I never, I never actually thought about that. I don't. I'm not even aware of the term. Okay. Uh, a deist is basically somebody who believes that there was a god who set the universe in motion, but has been absentee and doesn't meddle in there since the creation, which is, I guess, a perfectly respectable position as much as any theistic belief is. Uh, but we don't believe that either. Okay, yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So. Well, that <laughs> I thought you guys were going to elaborate on that a little more, but that's fine. Uh, well, I mean, what, what do you want us to agree with? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Actually, it's not agreeing or, or not agreeing. It's just that I watch the show uh, a few times, and uh, we rarely get people who call and um, talk about, you know, 
not talking about the Bible because it seems like it's always a, a question of being an atheist or being religious. Okay. That's it. Well, it, I mean, part of the reason we talk about the Bible so much is that Christians outnumber any other um, religious group, you know, by a long shot um, in the U.S. Yeah. at least. Um, and so that's primarily where, you know, we get our calls is, you know, um, primarily North America, I would say. Because um, you see the – sorry. No, go ahead. The position that I'm in, I'm often debating against atheists and also debating against Christians. Okay. Because mm-hmm. we just don't agree. <laughs> I don't believe in evolution. I've studied evolution quite a bit, and scientifically, what do you mean studied quite a bit? Have you taken any formal biology classes on the subject? Self, self self-taught. Okay, Okay. so you mean you read stuff on the internet? Oh, I've went to um, well, whichever. We don't have to get into that, but uh, I mean, I've I've you brought it up. Okay. Well, basically, no, but, I mean, but but the thing is, I mean, evolution is a completely um, non-controversial topic. In, for scientists. For scientists. It's a very controversial political yeah. topic for a lot of Americans, but right. they you know, don't... There's a lot of scientists out there who, 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 dis, who don't believe in evolution because no, we have there, there really so aren't. much scientific proof out there. No. Well, <laughs> no, there really aren't. And I mean, if you go to someplace like the Discovery Institute, and they, you know, they're going to tell you, "Oh, look at all these scientists who of don't." Of course, you if know, you stay in the mainstream. But yeah, if you stay in the mainstream, you're going to find everybody that agrees with evolution, of course, because the because it's don't agree. settled because, scientific yeah, it's, fact. It, yes, it's <laughs> because it's a because it's a fringy conspiracy theory to okay, be well, in a scientific yeah, I, field and also I, say evolution didn't happen. Yeah, I don't want to get into the subject of evolution because we could go on for hours. But and you brought it we're up. Never gonna... I just said that I don't believe in evolution. That's why I don't agree necessarily with Christians, uh, with, right. with, uh, with atheists. Yeah, so, so I, mean, I didn't want to get you're, in, in detail. But you're saying that we should agree on stuff, but you're bringing in these fringy views into the conversational by yourself that have no merit. No, I'm just saying that I'm just giving you examples of why I don't necessarily agree with atheists, and on the other side, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, with Christians. Evolution is one of those reasons. (laughs) But but evolution is not not an inherently atheist position. That's a a scientific conclusion. Evolution is a fact. Well. And and whether you're an atheist or not, you know, that's not relevant to the question of, of evolution. Yeah, one of the biggest promoters of evolution in the last decade was Francis Collins, who was a uh, the head of the NIH, I believe. Yeah, I uh, yeah. And he is a committed Christian and has written a lot of stuff about his Christianity. But he is also a passionate fighter for science and uh, and argue strenuously against the idea that evolution is an atheist idea. Yeah, makes sense. So, it's kind of a tangent to begin with, is all I'm saying. Well, if we, 
If we just go back to the the, the reason of, of of my call, it was just to, you know, to bring up the the fact that I I just think it's exhausting <laughs> to always have to come back to the Bible. There's a guy on YouTube. He his name is Anthony. I don't remember his last name. But uh, he goes around asks people. Magna Busco? Usually Christians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He goes the uh, string epistemology guy. We had him uh, as a lecturer a few months ago. He's a big fan mm-hmm. of our show. Yeah. Well, not a big fan. But yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. He he watches and he had some nice things to say about us. So, But, you know, I'd, I'd love to see this guy, you know, go out and and ask people who aren't religious. But he seems to never do that. Okay. So you're talking to people who are not religious. What do you want to ask us? <laughs> well, no, that, that's the <laughs> – but you guys are – you guys don't believe in God, though. That's true. Right. But you do, right? That's it. Well, yeah, I do. Why? So why? It, it was just a br- – oh, well, I have I have a lot of reasons why I believe in God. And, and Give us the best is one. And one of the biggest reasons. Well, one of the best ones – uh, there's a lot of weird stuff out there, and um, I've seen a lot of weird stuff. And um, just uh, you guys believe in evolution, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be very hard to <laughs> to get you to understand something that why I don't believe in evolution and all that. But it, it's just scientifically, it just does not work, and that's. Well, wait a minute. You, you were talking about why you believe a god exists, and now we've jumped back to yeah. evolution. So. Yeah, because uh, the fact that evolution does not work for me is um, one of the reasons why I believe there's a God. And now, when I say that I believe that there's a God, I'm—I don't want you to get this image in your head of of this religious God. You know, it's all right. Tell us specifically like, yes. what this God is like, so that we don't yeah. have an inaccurate picture. Well, we don't know that now, do we? Well, then <laughs> so you are talking also, about something you don't know about and yeah. trying to get us to accept this thing that you just said you don't know what you're talking no, no, about. I'm not trying to, okay, guys, I'm not trying to convince you to agree with me. I okay. just brought up the point that I'm, the whole point of my call is just to share with you guys that I'm tired of these debates against religion and atheism. So get your That's own show. That's really what I wanted to say. Well, we're not tired of these debates. And <laughs> Yeah, we and didn't call you. I'm, I'm really curious about this because you started to tell us that one of the biggest reasons you believe in a God is because all these weird things happen, but then then you jumped into evolution. And I would like to understand well, you know what, what these weird okay, things are. I'm, I'm going to have to make a, a nice list because you know how it is. I'm calling a live show right now. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous. Um, I don't have any notes or anything, um, so I'm going to have to make a nice big list and call you back like in two weeks or something. Then okay. I'll be able to discuss. Uh, okay. you, you're like, totally welcome and, to do that yeah. if you want. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll hear from you in two weeks. Yeah. No, good. possibly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks. Thank thanks for calling. That one. Um, who's next? Uh, Mark in New York. Hey, Russell. Hi. Hey, Jen, what's going on? Hey. Um, I've talked to you guys twice before. Um, so, hey again. <laughs> hey. Um, first, I'm... Oh, 
that was a little bit painful to listen to the last two callers because I have a really big problem with like pretentiousness. <laughs> and uh, wait, uh, I, do you I, mean I the when... the callers' pretentiousness or ours? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the the callers. Oh, you okay. Are... I... <laughs> yeah. Because like what the big problem that for me that happens when I get into these quote unquote debates, first of all, too, is that like. If that's not your, your field of study or if you're not an expert in, like, whatever you're talking about, then you have no authority to speak on in the first place. You can only give your opinions. So yeah. when somebody's like, I don't believe in evolution, first of all, no one has to believe in evolution because it's a fact. So I don't care whether you believe it or not. Like, that's just the way it is. I, I don't have to believe in, like, you know, the the moon causing, you know, gravitational patterns to make the, the ocean move. Like, I don't have to believe in it because it happens. So I don't really like those kind of arguments it's kind of like an argument from authority and they mm-hmm. always really get under my skin as you can tell <laughs> right well, like the first caller just like whenever the first like that that first guy like whenever i automatically hear a debate where it starts like that well first let's lay down some ground rules i automatically know that like i'm not going to get anything from that debate and i just like turn it off because they just want to talk over you and put out their yeah. own message yeah it's it's like one one very quick way to turn me off in a conversation yeah. is to brag about how important you are yeah like when i don't you, care yeah, it's I got nothing to do with the fact that it's coming from you i know i don't i don't understand it it's like the same when when like scientology people like talk to me about like the famous people that believe in it and i'm like right okay well that's them like <laughs> I don't understand it. Like, we're, we were all babies at some point who knew nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And we live in this environment where we collect all this data and our brain tries to categorize in a way that makes sense to us from our perspective. And we give that out to the world back out, and it's up to other people to interpret it which way they want to or not. But people don't understand that that's called opinion. Like, facts don't change whether or not you believe in them or not. It's just the way it is. So when somebody says, I don't believe in this, they're basically just telling you, like, that they don't understand it, you know, and the reasons they don't understand it is usually what follows. Like, I feel right. sorry for that guy before, that Steven, because he seems like a nice guy. It's just, like, his, uh, like, the whole, like, I'm tired of atheists, like, of arguing atheists against, um, you know, theists. Well, those are the only two options, like, because agnosticism, like, you know, Matt says all the time, like, knowledge is a subset of belief. So, like, it really is just, like, answering two different questions out from the offset. And being a deist, like, is kind of still being a theist because you still believe in a God. Right. And it's interesting to find out that, like, these people have no idea what that thing is that they believe in, yet they believe in it. Like he said even at the end of the call, like, um, well, I don't know. Like, none of us know. Well, then why do you believe it? (laughs) Yeah. We have no idea and you don't know, and there's no testable way to find out. And why would you dedicate a big portion of your life to believe in that? Because that actually influences the rest of your belief system from the outset. If you believe in a God, then any decision that you make is going to be from that belief system that there is a God. So, I I mean, I don't understand that. (laughs) And, like, the notion of saying, I'm tired of people arguing with each other, is a very privileged position to be taking in a lot of cases. I mean, in the situation of atheism, it's sort of like, I don't know if there's a God and I don't care, or in his case, I do believe in God and I don't like people arguing yes, that there isn't yes. at all, which is kind Everybody of what he was saying. Everybody shut up about this. You know? 
But even if you actually yeah. don't have a position and you don't care, it's kind of petty to complain about other people arguing about something. Especially like, to call a, a TV show mm-hmm. on a Sunday afternoon to complain that we're having arguments with people about God. Right. I then don't listen to the show. I know. And like, yeah. I mean, if he was, if he was like an ex, like. Air Force general calling to talk to you, Jen, about like the Air Force, or if he's like a computer engineer. I know nothing about the Air Force. Computer engineering. <laughs> oh, I forgot what what uh, branch you were in. Yeah, I was in the Army. So. In the Army. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the situation goes the same way. If he was calling to talk about like that kind of expertise, and that's fine. Like when I'm talking to people about stuff, I don't ever claim to like know what I'm talking about. I say this is the information that's there, and. Like, I can only present that. And, of course, I have my own opinions, but that only belongs to me because it doesn't affect anybody else adversely. You know what I mean? Like, my opinions don't matter to the next person. My cat doesn't care what I think about, you know, the sun rising. Right. <laughs> just yeah. cares about getting his food. So yeah. it's just like it's, I, I know I hate that. I sound pretentious myself when I say I hate pretentiousness. <laughs> but it's just like. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> going back to the whole, like, like respect thing that uh, I think Jasmine was talking about. It's like people don't have inherent right to respect. Like you have to be respectable to get respect and you have to act respectable in order for it to go both ways. You know what I mean? So, cause I remember again, remember I was talking to you the first, I don't know if you do remember, but last time I was talking to you guys, I told you like I stopped talking to my mom like last year because she wouldn't stop bringing up the subject. Yeah. Well, like, that had an offshoot of, like, now my dad doesn't bring it up whatsoever because he's terrified I'm going to stop talking to him. Okay. <laughs> so, well. like, now, because I, I actually did what you said. Like, I put my thought to it. I told her what the consequences were going to be. I gave her five years, and then I stuck with those things. Like, I blocked her on everything. Like, she has no way of contacting me, sort of writing me a letter. Yeah. So, it is a hard thing to go through, and sometimes I'm upset about it, but... I have to, you have to stick to your laurels, kind of, and if you're going to espouse to something, at least stick with it, kind of deal. Yeah. Right. Well, a small disagreement with what you said before. People, I would say, do have a certain base level of right to respect for themselves as individuals and inherent human dignity and yada, yada, yada. Oh, They don't have... Basic humanitarianism. Right. They don't, don't have the have right. To their opinions, though. Right. Exactly. Yeah. They don't have their opinions are not automatically respectable. And that's what they think, though. They think that like you have to respect me, quote unquote, and my beliefs, which yeah. is where you get into like you know people. Oh well, you just have to respect that because that's what I believe in. Like I've had that happen to me before. Um, I actually got fired from teaching fourth grade because Ooh. like I got into Yikes. a talk. I got into a talk during lunch with a Buddhist, and I happen to say that, like, I just don't believe what she's, the, the evidence that she's talking about, because, like, reincarnation to me is, like, not only pointless, because it's not you anymore, but it's just, like, a waste of time to talk about. And she went to my bosses, who are both Christians, and I got canned. <laughs> oh, wow. So I tried, I tried to fight it, but I couldn't really do anything about it. Yeah. Well, sorry so, to hear that. Um, I think you, um, as interesting as it is to just kind of shoot the breeze with you, I think you had a comment. <laughs> That, or a topic you wanted to bring up? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, it's actually something that's been, like, um, nagging at me. Like, last time I talked to you guys, I know I talked about, like, overcoming nihilism because I'm trying to, like, overcome my little insecurities, and every oh, time okay. I talk to you guys about a different subject, it helps. So this okay. time, like, I wanted to talk about um, when you have a reformation, right, like, 
way Christianity had uh, after the Renaissance and stuff like that and the Enlightenment, they okay. broke off into a bunch of different branches of themselves, and that's usually what, you know, caused, like, the fall from the regular church and branched off in all these different crazy beliefs. If Islam goes through the same thing, how do we deal with that? And how do we, like, go forward as secularists by trying to cowtail to all the different sects that pop up? Because, you know, we have, like, Shia and Sunnis, but, like, you're going to have, like, the Scientologists of Islam at that point because there is no one doctrine to follow. Yeah, you... Uh... You can't unilaterally declare a new set of beliefs and then just have the whole world be on your side all of a sudden. Yeah. It's like, oh, right. no, there are 10,000 religions. Hey, let's make a religion that combines all the best element of one of them. Guess what? Now there are 10,000 in one religions. Uh, Isn't that just pantheism? <laughs> no, because no. not it's not one person holding... Oh, you mean the one religion... I, yeah, yeah. Maybe, but then there's the person who says, oh, look, there's pantheism and all these other religions. Let's combine yeah. them all. Yeah. <laughs> and you can well, mix, you mix and match you're... as much as you want, but you're always just going to be branching off, which is why I think that you can't expect this magic bullet that's going to change everyone's mind. You can only hope to educate the population over time and promote things that will enable more people to get educated in critical thinking. And if people are familiar enough with the principles of skepticism and science and stuff like that, over time, the population will gradually move to a place where they're more skeptical of nonsense religious beliefs, which will then naturally, as a consequence, dwindle in the long term. But you can't just take attacking a religion or let's ban all people from one particular religion from a country. Like, that's addressing the symptoms of being bad at critical thinking. And right. I think making people smarter, it may not seem like we're making progress, but here in the United States, the number of people who don't identify with any religion has been growing for the last yeah. several decades. Slowly, right. we've still got a long way to go. But that's the consequence of having people become more educated and more exposed to different points of view. It's right. one of the reasons I mean, we do I this show. That, I know that, um, Jen, you used to be religious, right? And I know, mm -hmm. Russell, you, you weren't. You would kind of grew yeah, up. Yeah, never. Um, and like the, yeah. But um, I, did, I grew up like uh, Pentecostal, as we talked mm -hmm. about last yeah. time. But um, so I understand like um, just how detrimental differences in beliefs can be. And I know you can't stop them or thwart them in any way. And we definitely shouldn't ban everybody because that's ridiculous. And what they, they're just going to, you know, it's going to unify themselves against us even more. Right. And cause yeah. more like, you know, it's going to be crazy without getting too political about it. But um, I just, I recognize the differences in beliefs and they're like night and day. Like if you sit like a Mormon down with like a Baptist or um, even a non-denominational, like, which they are always denominated. I don't understand why they call themselves that because they're usually Pentecostal. But, um, well, you no. know, they're, uh, I my, mean, my, um, from yeah. what I've seen, like, I'm probably wrong, but just from, like, the area that I grew up in, when it was, like, a non-denominational church, yeah, they were always, like, cause the church that I grew up in, the Rock Church, was supposed to be non-denominational, but they had believed in, like, the gifts of the Pentecost and like speaking in tongues and all that stuff, which yeah, I mean most of me. most of the non-denominational Protestants I've run into are not Pentecostal. Um, they're they're a fairly bland flavor of 
um, like a mishmash of a bunch of different main mainline denominations. Okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't speaking from any kind of authority, or just like from what I've noticed growing up from yeah. around my area. Well, and and that you um, know that's the beauty of being non-denominational is that you basically got this a la carte menu of what you can form. pick from. And, right. Because you know. like, like how how would we deal with that? I mean, I know we have no authority to deal with it at all. Like how would they deal with it amongst themselves? Because wouldn't that seem like that the infighting caused by that would almost be well, more uncontrollable than just dealing with the main religion itself? Well, I think that. One thing to, I think, to keep in mind when you're talking about um, some kind of reform movement within any kind of major religious thought mm-hmm. is that a lot of it, um, the reform impetus comes from a recognition that either the, the religion as it currently exists is not meeting the needs of the congregants, which means it's going to die if it doesn't reform. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, um, a reformation is sort of a last-ditch survival mechanism. Right. Um, and the other thing is a, is a recognition by some people within the religion that there are um, extreme views that um, in their own moral sense don't make any sense to them anymore. Right. And so in some respects, a reformation is is kind of injecting more um, secular humanist values into a religious structure. Um, yeah, I can see that. And you know, and and sometimes, like in the case of uh, Martin Luther, who was you know kind of responsible right. for the Reformation. Um, yeah. In some cases, um, it's kind of a manifestation of. Um, um, well, in this case, there's a lot of evidence that Martin Luther suffered from um, obsessive compulsive disorder. And mm-hmm. so it's a manifestation of um, like a, a, you know, a fairly significant mental illness that he was suffering from. And so that's where some of, you know, the focus on, you know, scrupulosity and things like that come from. I just don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm just picking on Islam because I'm not. But it's just like that's what has been on my mind recently just from recent events. Because uh, I actually talked to my dad about it before. Like if you talk, like when I talk to my dad about like the Crusades, all three of them, he, like, has no idea what even happened <laughs> or transpired. Right. Like, usually he was like, oh, well, that's when, like, you know, they were going around and killing atheists. So I'm like, well, not necessarily. <laughs> they were trying to retake Jerusalem back from Islam. And then, like, yeah. they succeeded the first time and then lost it again. And there's a whole bunch of different stuff that went in if you actually go into, the, like, the history of it. And, I think um, uh, City of God was a okay movie about that period of history. I can't really remember all the details of it, but I think it was that was Orlando Bloom. Oh, I didn't see that. I don't know. You might want to it, check it, it out. Yeah, all right, I'll, I'll look it up. I, I've seen a lot of documentaries. I mean, I'm not trying to say that I've like gone to historians and you know studied it, but yeah. Um, and I know that documentaries usually have like a, a point of view they're trying to get across, so I take it all with a grain of salt. But I had to look. Sorry, it, it was myself, Kingdom, but, of yeah, Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. Ridley I Scott. Have Hmm, okay. Oh, it's a Ridley Scott movie. All right, I might enjoy it then. <laughs> they throw some uh, some '80s like <laughs> symphonic music in there. I'll be awesome. Was it 2005? Yeah. Actually, not that old. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll definitely check that out. But um, yeah. I mean, you've mainly answered the, I guess, the main qualm of that. Like, we can't, we can't really control any of it. But like, do you think it'll be easier to let them keep going as they are? I mean, we can't again do anything about it. But 
you think it's better for them to keep going as they are unified? I, or if they I do don't know up, what you mean by let change. them, because yeah. ultimately it, you're not going to be able to... Uh, yeah, it's, it's bad language. I'm, well, I'm just, and, yeah. From their perspective, like if they do it on their own, not right. let them, but I mean... And, and I don't even happen, I don't even you, know what you mean by unified because Sunnis and Shias not. <laughs> are not unified. No, no, no. I I know, I know. But like they have like different, they have very different like views on certain things. But I mean, going to the differences between like you know the thousand different denominations of like Christianity, if there's that many different fringes of that besides the Shia and Sunni, do you think it'd be more of a problem and it'll cause more infighting, are... or do you think like? There are a lot of different splinter groups in every different religion, and I think the one principle that's important to keep in mind is that you should treat every individual as an individual and listen to what their actual personal beliefs are instead of making generalized assumptions about, you know, they, they say, I'm a Muslim, and you jump to conclusions about everything they believe. There are a lot of people... I mean, there are probably fewer Muslims who think like that caller a couple of calls ago who said, oh, I'm not religious, but yeah. blah, 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 I think God's real and and evolution is not real. But everybody has their own specific idiosyncratic set of beliefs and everybody has their own specific level of how seriously they take it. Whether it yeah, is, you guys say that all the time. If there's like I, every different person has their own form of that religion, it's not unified. Yeah. At all. Right. So some people say I ju- I believe this set of ridiculous things, and I think that it's nice to commune with people and talk about those things, and that's the end of it. And there are some people who say I believe that same specific set of things, and if you don't believe it, you're an infidel, and I will kill you or die for it. Those types of yeah. people all exist. And right. like I said earlier in your call, one of the keys to getting rid of that is to tamp down the the non-evidence-based beliefs by educating them in critical thinking. And the other thing right. is to draw support away so that even the people who still believe the nonsensical things and they'll always be with us do not become the extremist types and do not sympathize with those types of people yeah yeah well usually doesn't extremism come from like some form of like persecution from the outset like it's a mixture of things like they need to be right yeah. I mean, I am not, I am certainly not one to say that the beliefs themselves don't heavily influence the likelihood yeah, that course. they'll become extremists. But it is right. a lot of different things. It includes socioeconomic factors, and it includes right. the types of beliefs that you were influenced by, and your upbringing, and and lots of things that all come together. It includes mental health. Lot, right. Lots and lots of factors, and you can't just boil them down to one dimension. It just seems like critical thinking, like as a whole, though, it's hard to get across because people like tend to think of their own personalized critical thinking as being critical thinking when they're not actually thinking critically. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, um, and, and like, that's part of the thing is that it takes practice, and you have to learn how to do it. And right. And there's lots of people out there that want to call themselves skeptics and critical thinkers that actually don't want to do the work to get there. And it and it's right. not and it's not even 
something, it's not like a status that you achieve. It's sort of like an ongoing practice, you know, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're confronted with things every day and we have to make a decision about them. And so, you know, there are many opportunities to practice critical thinking. Right. Lots of people just don't take that opportunity. Well, they even, to be so, fair, some uh, of Mark, like, Mark, the majority uh, of their we've, life. Mark, we've oh, yeah. had you on the line for a while, so yeah. I think we're going to need we're, to yeah, move sorry. on to other callers. Of course. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I hope to talk right. to you guys right. at some point soon. Thanks sure. for calling. Thanks. Let's see. We have Daniel in uh, hey guys. How's it going? <laughs> on Hi. Earth. That's cute. Hello? Hello. Yeah. Yes. Hey. So, Russell, we've we've talked before through email, and I called in once before. Um, mm-hmm. I'm calling about the uh, topic of evidence, and so clearly, theists don't have any kind of physical evidence. I was born and raised one of Jehovah's Witnesses. Just barely recently, started transitioning outside of out of the religion. Um, but I, I guess the things that I cling to sometimes that I keep thinking about would be categorized as maybe like circumstantial evidence. Okay. Such as, and okay. So like just the things like the, the moral argument, the, I think it's called the teleological argument. Okay. You know, just mm-hmm. what I, is that? Basically? I do it's, remember you know, those like, terms from uh, back when I was in debate club. But they're not yeah. really fresh in my memory. I think uh, there's ontological, which has to do with meaning, and teleological, which has to do with um, help. Yeah, I can't remember. Now. I, I, I can't recall. So I guess yeah. No, my question no is, seriously, what is teleological? I'm trying oh, to remember. I, it, it, <laughs> I believe that's the one that's basically like look at look at nature, look at uh, yeah. The universe, yeah. like okay. order, right? evidence like, of order, yeah, yeah, fine tuning. Um, that gotcha. I believe that. Okay, I know yeah. what you're talking about now. Yeah. Um, this one's more controversial. I don't want to get into it, but I guess I personally still look at a lot of scriptural principles, scriptural guidelines that are beneficial for us in a Whoa. in a day to day life. Okay. Um, I mean. That's a really long topic. I don't want to. I mean, I could expand if you guys want, but you probably um, should because you're saying that this constitutes some kind of circumstantial evidence for God. So I, well, I don't know I what guess, you mean unless I get an example. I guess bef- what I'm more curious about is: does that carry any merit in your guys' opinion? I don't know. Yeah. You didn't Even give me an example yet. Yeah. Well, okay, so. Um, I wasn't I wasn't prepared to talk too much about that. Hmm. I what I guess what I'm saying is just just on its on its own. Even let's just say for argument's sake, it is. I I give you a really good example of of certain you know principles that you know it's almost like the argument from the user manual of the Bible where it's like God made us, God gave us a user manual, which is the Bible. And it's it is the best way to live life. Yeah. I'm I'm not even saying that absolutely because I don't believe that absolutely. But um, would that even carry 
any weight in your opinion you know, I, because I, it is strictly circumstantial. Having, having read the Bible um, more than once, okay, um, mm-hmm. I'm struggling to come up with something in the Bible that I would consider to be like a user manual level advice. Yeah, that, that didn't also exist in other cultures separate from the culture that wrote the Bible. I, yeah, I see. And I, I guess, like I said, I wasn't exactly ready to go on about this. Well, I just... And then, then it's I, not like um, we think that the Bible says nothing valid, but that that right, just means right. the Bible isn't a hundred percent false or full of bad advice. If, yeah. if it's ninety percent full of bad advice, that's still a generally bad track record. Even yeah. if it had ninety percent good advice, and it still had specific instructions for how to enslave other human beings, um, I wouldn't consider right. it a user manual for how to live. I've read a lot of books that have good advice, and I don't think any of them come from God. Right. Yeah, and, and that's honestly kind of what I've been telling people that are, are questioning how I could leave my religion. And I, I tell them that I still believe in pretty much all the good stuff. I just don't believe in the supernatural part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. There's something. There's a and, term that John Loftus coined, I think, which is called the outsider test for faith, Yep. which is... When somebody makes an argument to you about God, like, for instance, oh, my holy book is full of good advice, ask, they should ask themselves, if I heard an almost identical argument being advanced for a different religion, would I find that convincing? And if they wouldn't, then it's not a good argument for your religion either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I guess the overall question I'm just curious about is, do those, even if those circumstantial arguments are good arguments, do they ultimately carry any weight? Because I, I feel like it's like when people say they question evolution, you guys say, okay, let's say evolution is false. How does that prove God exists? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Is that basically what it comes down to? Even if it's a good circumstantial, even if it's good just kind of, um, general argument. If it's, it was it a good circumstantial argument, then it might influence me in some way. Yeah. But, but I don't think... I mean, your your inability to come up with even one example speaks volumes about the actual yeah. quality of these arguments. Well, and the thing is, I mean, even if the Bible um, contained nothing but good advice, so there was no genocide, there was no slavery, you know, none of the none of the bad stuff... And it was just, you know, a book of totally good advice. How would that be circumstantial evidence of a God? Given that there's nothing in the Bible that you couldn't find in some other culture that didn't produce the Bible. I guess I'm not. I I'm not even saying it's it's. Um, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like I said, I I didn't have this on my mind when I called in, and I I can give like one example. I think it's in like. Second Corinthians seven one, where it's just it's a, and it's more about principles, right? It doesn't specifically say don't smoke cigarettes, but the the scripture does say basically to not. Um, I I can't think of the exact reading of it, but basically to not um, corrupt your body, right? And so if okay. you were to to take that, like you could, 
you know, there's certain steps like uh, applying that that you don't have to have the Bible say don't do cocaine because or don't smoke cigarettes, even though cigarettes weren't around when the Bible was written. But yeah, none of those you, were around. You know, I I would imagine I can speculate on what they were talking about. Maybe they're they noticed that if you overeat, you get a stomach ache. Or sure, just generally and, and honestly, don't don't overdo stuff because we notice it has bad consequences. But even to the extent that that's good advice, I can't see how that's not something that just a normal observant human being could come up with. And it has nothing to do with whether a God exists or not. But the other thing is that uh, that particular verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, um, the verse is, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, Ooh. perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So that's not even actually taking care of yourself. It's basically sort of a, an admonishment to you know, purify yourself so that you're basically a better servant for God. Stop thinking about stuff that isn't Christianity is yeah. basically <laughs> what that comes down to. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... You don't think when it says not contaminate our our body and spirit, it's saying, like, you know, to, to stay away from things that could do bodily harm. Or well, no, even it, it's, if you substituted... It's too Sorry, vague to nail that down. Yeah, I mean... It just sounds like you're superimposing a meaning on it that you want it to say. I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying... I, I told you guys, I'm, I'm basically of the opinion that anything that's good in there is good because humans are capable of being wise on their own, right? I'm not right. saying yeah. everything has to come from... I'm, I'm more saying, is there... Is there any anything would circumstantial evidence ever even do anything for you, or does it matter? Not matter because there's no physical evidence of God. Well, I mean, and, circumstantial evidence could uh, could be persuasive. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we convict people of crimes based on circumstantial evidence all the time. So it's not like that has no bearing at all. It's just I'm struggling to understand what you mean by circumstantial evidence, and and basically, you know. I, until I understand what you're talking about, I can't even evaluate the the quality yeah. of the evidence. Yeah, for for some things, well, the, the quality of evidence matters, and I'm sure you've heard extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Mm-hmm. It's very much like if you're going to a car dealer and he says, this car has really good gas mileage, then there are a small number of things he could do to demonstrate that the car, yeah, probably has good gas mileage. They're not 100% reliable, but you don't need a huge amount of information to buy his talking point that the car has good gas mileage. But if he says, and by the way, this is a futuristic back-to-the-future car that can fly... And you're asking me, is there any amount of circumstantial evidence that can demonstrate that? My answer is, well, uh, I'd be really surprised by a flying car, so I'd really like to just see it fly. Like, my standards are way, way higher for that claim than the good gas mileage claim. And I think God is one of the hugest, most out there claims that I've ever heard of, personally. Right, and... Again, I'm not trying to make this as an argument for why you guys should believe in God. I'm right. But I think it works it works on the opposite view too where 
atheists will use circumstantial evidence. Like, for example, I, I heard uh, David Smalley the other day and, on his podcast, and he was talking to a Christian couple, and he was bringing up how God would kill every man, woman, and child. And he was using that as an example that there's no way a loving God could ever do that. And I don't know what your opinions are on that, but I assume you might have a similar thinking. I think that arguments about what a God would or should do are one of the weakest atheist arguments, personally. Well, but the thing about it is if he's talking about the Christian God or the Abrahamic God, Mm -hmm. um, according to um, the Bible, that God did command that sort of genocide. And so if if people are presenting an argument that this is um, a loving God, you know, commanding a genocide uh, pretty neatly refutes that. What if there was a greater good for all of humanity, though? Then uh, I think well, then, the onus is on the person trying to make that argument yeah. and not on us. Anyway, uh, I think uh, we're going to move on to the next caller. All right, thanks. Thank you for calling. Bye. Bye. Let's see. Dathan in Alberta, Canada. Yep, hello. Hello. I just had a quick question for you guys. I was wondering uh, what at first glance was the most convincing argument for the existence or something supernatural and something that you couldn't refute at first glance and you had to look into it properly and what made that hard to refute? I don't. At first, I haven't found any supernatural claims to be convincing. So, it is often difficult when somebody calls in with a complicated personal experience and says, "You can't explain that." Like, I dreamed about my mother dying, and then she died the next day, or something like that. But mm-hmm. almost all the time, I when you dig deeper into those kinds of claims, you find that the story sort of falls apart as you dive into it further, and it turns out to be something much less surprising or shocking than the person originally was saying, or there are some mitigating details like, by the way, my mother had been sick and the doctor said she had two weeks to live. Uh you yeah. can't always just call yeah. people liars when they tell you that something happened to them because unlikely events really do happen. But we don't mm-hmm. have to have an explanation for everything off the top of our heads. All right. Yeah, I, I kind of had problems answering the question myself because I really haven't heard an original argument other than argument from personal experience. But I just wanted to get yeah. your guys' opinion on that. That's it. I guess I'm the shortest caller of this show. Okay. <laughs> okay. Have a good day. All right. Yep. Thanks. I also think that most arguments that don't fall in the category of personal experience tend to be these sort of arguments in a vacuum where there's some kind of pure math proof of God that yeah. just doesn't bother with evidence or investigation or experiments and just says, oh, God is the set of things that contains all things or yeah. something. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Chris Langan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Let's see, where are we? Rory in New Zealand? Yes. Hi. Yeah. 
Um, so I was just calling, like, uh, obviously, I mean, the whole world has been watching the US elections. Um, and I was just wondering um, what your point of view is with um, uh, the separation of church and state. I mean, I know that's what, I mean, particularly in America, the founding fathers, obviously, that was their goal. But do you think it's really happened? Uh if you're asking where we stand, I think the fact that I say for the separation of church and state yeah, it should be should a be. big clue at the beginning of every single show. Uh, do oh, do know, I think I, it's I happened? That, yeah. Obviously not. Yeah. Um, so so like what what do you think? Like uh, what what could be done to actually help? Like I mean, because I mean it, it seems like none of the candidates, nobody and. I mean, yeah, no, nobody really wants to change anything. Well, I mean, one of the things that would help a lot in this country is if um, we actually started enforcing the IRS rules on churches participating in, or, you know, like um, actually um, promoting a particular candidate or a political party. Um, that sort of um Involvement in partisan politics is specifically prohibited by um, IRS rules, specifically the 501c3 rule, which churches are 501c3 religious organizations, just like the ACA is a 501c3 educational organization. Um, the difference is that once you declare yourself to be a church, you no longer have to follow some of the same rules that other nonprofits have to follow. Um, so I think... Um, two things. If we actually enforced that provision and basically removed their tax-exempt status if they violate the rule, uh, that would help. The other thing is if we um, if we force churches to follow the same rules as every other 501c3 organization, I think that would help a lot, too. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, no so I was just calling about that. Like, uh, yeah, because we've been watching it. And, you know, I live in New Zealand, and we're quite fortunate that if you ask any politician over here, who, you know what they believe in, they'll change the subject. They won't talk about it at all. Well, and the thing is, I, I, I think that um, if if somebody asks a politician what they believe, I have no problems with the politician answering that question. You know, whatever the answer is. Um, the big question for me, uh, when I take a look at a politician, is will this politician use their religious beliefs as a basis for public policy? And if the answer is yes, then we have a problem. Yeah, a little bit of historical context here. When John F. Kennedy ran for president in 1960, I hope I've got that history right. Yep, I think that's right. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, John Kennedy ran uh, ran for president in 1960, and he was the first Catholic president in the United States. Mm -hmm. And... The one of the big things that the Nixon camp ran against him was we can't trust a Catholic in office because he's going to be beholden to the Pope and right. he's not going to be uh, supportive of American religious liberty ideals. Right. And Kennedy gave a speech which I think is worth looking up on YouTube because it is a textbook answer of a great way to answer that question, which was basically, yeah, I'm Catholic and I believe it seriously and I understand that U.S. law trumps anything that my religious beliefs might tell me and I will faithfully uphold and execute the law. 
And that's really all the principle of church and state separation is about. It's not about saying no politician should have any personal religious beliefs or talk about them in any context. And we as atheists generally don't or shouldn't care what the personal beliefs are. A lot of people went after Mitt Romney by listing the tenets of Mormonism. Right. And I'm like, there are so many good reasons not to like Mitt Romney. Who cares if his set of wacky beliefs is different from the wacky beliefs right. of most other politicians? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, well, I suppose that's, uh, that's really all I was calling for. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, wish uh, us luck. Just, However just you on, think the election yeah. should turn out, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just on a side note, I think what you guys are doing is just brilliant. And I think thank we need you. more people like you in the world. Well, thank you. So, cheers. All right. Bye. All right. Okay. All right. Let's see. Hard to jumped around line so much. I'm just trying to take the one who's been on the line the longest. No, actually, I'm going to take Vish in London. Hello? Vish, are you there? Hello? Yes, I'm here, here. Hello. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> oh, sorry, I had the mute button pressed down. I'm, I'm, apologies. That's okay. <laughs> I am um, it uh, happens. pretty psyched about being on your show. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, I actually had a um, real question. Well, real, um, like ultimate real, like the other guy was trying to say like in the last show. But <laughs> um, I had um, a question about basically um, when can you be too Okay, before I go on, I'll just give you a really quick context because I know people give you stories about themselves like all the time. But um, so basically, I used to be about like I used to be a Christian for about a year, and then I you know um, started using my brain. Well, that'd be a bit harsh to say. Um, I started um, you know being a bit more spec- uh, skeptical towards um, these things. And in the beginning of the show, you were saying something about like you know um, being you know like why you were talking about the presidential stuff like that right. and, you know you were right about the whole thing about you know being as you know skeptical as part of the whole atheist thing and um you know because of being you know skeptical about things you know i stopped being a christian and um and yeah so i actually um wanted to ask uh you know like for example um you know with me um you know i i i find it trouble to believing things and you know in believing things and i know like you know for example uh, I, this isn't about controversial uh, no sorry um conspiracy theories like but the thing is i'm just gonna bring up an example for example the first moon landing okay um like personally like i don't have evidence you know which suggests that you know um that the first moon landing actually happened like you know the the mission back then i mean like i know this sounds ridiculous you guys and <laughs> apologies for that, but um, like it's kind of the case that I mean, there's videos and things like that, but you know, I don't know whether things have you know whether things can be edited. And you know what? It's not even just about that. It's also about um, uh, Jen. You were you're a biologi- biologist or a biochemist or something? No, I'm an um, aerospace engineer. Aerospace engineer. Um, and the moon landings happened, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. But um, it's kind of the case that, like, I I mean, no, obviously I know that people have been to the moon now and stuff like that, but it's kind of the case, like, why do I know? And, you know, it's kind of like, am I being too skeptical about these things? Like, um, 
you know, for example, if I, if, you know, when it comes to evolution, um, if I saw, like, you know, a whole, like, bunch of fossils, because the thing is that I don't believe in it at the moment. Like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but at the moment I don't until I actually go to, the, like, I planned a trip to the Natural History Museum um, next week to actually, because I want to believe it and I want to, like, you know, start believing in things. And, you know, it's kind of the case that um, I don't know if that evidence might be enough. I don't know, like, in that case, like, there'll be fossils, but will I believe that's, like, it's until I actually go and, like, people will believe it after seeing it, but I'd question if it's uh, real or not until I actually made the discovery myself in a way. I, I mean, think, uh, I think too... a lot of people maybe misuse the word skeptical mm-hmm. to mean I have chosen a position and I refuse to budge from that position regardless of what you throw at me. Yeah. And I think that Christians accuse atheists of having this actual point of view. And basically a lot of those arguments boil down to people saying, well, you atheists wouldn't believe in God even if God rang the doorbell and said, hi, I'm God, and predicted a bunch of things. (laughs) But, But it is possible to be someone who calls yourself a skeptic and believe things that fly in the face of established facts at the same time. And I I think it's a little weird to... I'm not sure if this is really what you meant that you're doing, but it it's a little weird to be saying, I want to be convinced by seeing the fossils, so I'm going to go look at the fossils, and until I've seen them with my own eyes, I will not believe in evolution, but I think they're there and they'll convince me. Yeah. Which, I mean, going to to the Natural History Museum to, you know, increase your knowledge um, is not a bad thing at all. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, I I think it's great that you're going to do this. The thing is, if I understand what you're saying um, correctly, um, and and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, what I hear you saying is that you're struggling with um, how do you determine... um, basically the quality of evidence that you're willing to accept when you didn't do the experiment or the thing yourself and um kind of yeah i mean it's kinda, it's not okay. even just the quality of the evidence because i'm sure there's people like you know the people who found this stuff you know if they have then it's like you know they obviously they've got far more insight on the field and you know i try avoiding these things at times because you know i I want to contribute with what I'm good at. And so I try restricting myself a little bit to kind of, you know, excel at, you know, yeah, but a, yeah. stuff that, avoiding, you know, avoiding weighing in on a topic that you don't understand doesn't excuse you from becoming more familiar with the available research yeah. on the topic. Yeah. I think mm. you can be skeptical of evolution, for example, if you just read creationist sites and you, and you avoid gaining any deeper knowledge. But I think whether you're an atheist or a theist or a believer in a particular thing or a skeptic about that thing, it's a good idea to actually read the best stuff that the other side has to offer. And Mm. also be highly aware of straw man versions of that. Like, I really enjoyed... 
I really enjoyed the show Bullshit a lot of the time when it was on by Penn and Teller. But one of the things that annoyed me most is that it was very obvious that they were cherry-picking the most soft targets to represent the other side of what they were trying to say. And that seemed a little bit lazy. And similarly, I would say that it's smart to actually look around and see what do people who advocate for evolution say is the best layman's book to start on to read it. And if you haven't at least given that a shot and read what they've got to offer, then, yeah, you shouldn't weigh in on it because you don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, exactly. And so as an example of something Russell was talking about, where basically look at the best the other side has to offer and and then look at what, so, for example, the evolution side says. If you go to the website yeah. talkorigins.org, TalkOrigins.org, yeah? Yeah, and if you go there, they've got um, the basically the creationist claims, okay? And they go mm. through each one of these claims, and they actually link to the actual sites where creationists are promoting these specific arguments. So they're basically yeah. linking to the opposition's arguments. So that's the sign of somebody okay. that's telling you straight up, this is, this is the deal. Here's mm-hmm. exactly what mm. they're saying, and this is why it's wrong. And then they present, okay. you know, links to to things that you can check out. Some of these are like primary sources, like peer-reviewed papers or, you know, things that have been reported, um, you know, and written up, books, things like that. Like so the primary sources where you can go and read about the evidence yourself. And so part of what your your challenge as a skeptic is is to properly vet your sources. So that when you accept the claim of somebody that says, you know, this is the truth, this is what happened, uh, you're not being misled because this person who's promoting this claim is either not qualified to make that that assertion or they're trying to mislead you for some other reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's actually really helpful. I also had um, one one more thing. I, well, I'm sure it's going to be really small. Okay, um, we are about out of time, so uh, make it quick. Yeah, it's really quick. Okay, um, I wanted to ask, like, okay, like, you know how, you know, science is, you know, um, well, not you know how, but, you know, I'm asking if it is. Um, it's like they kind of, you know, check uh, for results through consistency a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if something is, yeah, so um, if, you know, um, you know, there's a book, right? And, you know, it's uh, doing, pre- you know, predictions and it's, you know, constantly, um, you know, getting them right and it's being really consistent and accurate with it. Um, would that, uh, how would... Mm. I think maybe you, know, you need to like, formulate your question carefully and call back another week. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, so would that be accurate? And I mean, would that be something to actually look at either way, or would it? Well, you, you know, you should you should look at something like that. But the other thing that's important, if if somebody is has written something up and they're making predictions and they appear to be accurate, um, the thing you want to investigate is is the methodology they're using to arrive at that prediction. So, because that's very important, they should be able to describe the methodology, and other people should be able to take that same methodology and apply it. To a similar circumstance and come to the same conclusion. You know, right. and that, and, oh, okay. And if they can't, so then there's something asking, wrong. Okay. Yeah. It's about anyway. asking, like, you know, if, if a book just says shit, like, you know, yeah. oh, uh, seriously, sorry, we're out of, just, this is the end of the show. 
<laughs> thank you for yeah, calling. Got, right, it's fine. Talk to you some other Bye-bye. time. Thank you so much for answering my questions. All right. Love you, sir. Take care. Bye. And uh, sometimes I do a lightning round at the end, but I don't know. I'm feeling a little hungry and <laughs> and worn out. So that, right. what, which way do you want to go? All right. Let's let's pull the plug then. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Jen. It's been thank great you. to have you here as, as always. As always, yes. And uh, we'll have a new show next week after the election. Matt will be hosting and somebody else will be co-hosting. So uh, see you guys. Vote. Uh, at Star of India. And see you at the Atheist Building here on Tuesday night. Bye. Hey. This is Russell Glasser, host of The Atheist Experience. You know, The Atheist Experience is made possible by volunteers and the generous support of viewers like you. If the promotion of positive atheist culture and separation of church and state are values that you hold, please consider contributing by becoming an ACA member or visiting our product page at EvolveFish.com under the Partner tab. Thank you.